curious about how to introduce sex toys into your relationship? On this episode, I'm going to tell you how. I'm Dr. Christy Wise, and this is Life Sauce. Dr. Wise, uh, the whole idea of sex toys in a relationship is a very broad-ranging subject. Uh, lots of couples have introduced sex toys into their relationship for various reasons. Some are thinking about it. Some won't go near it because they still think there's a, a, a taboo attached to it. Clear up some of the myths and legends about sex toys. Yeah. Yeah, I think that most people in the beginning, especially women, they feel awkward about bringing up the conversation of sex toys because they're worried that they're going to emasculate their man or he's going to think, she's worried he's going to think he's not doing it for her. And so it's very awkward for couples to be able to introduce the conversation initially. Um, but once you get past that initial conversation, I think then it becomes very exploratory and can be something that's really, really fun. And it can be a great, um, do I say, even therapeutic sort of addition uh, to a relationship. But then, of course, you run into uh, couples in which one of them would like to experiment, the other would not. Yeah. How does one go about correctly introducing sex toys into a relationship? Right. Well, I think that first we have to make sure that we clear up any biases that people have. For instance, you know, that she should be able to be pleased without it. The problem with that is, if you know much about orgasm, then you know that 90% of orgasm is clitoral. And so to ha just have penetration often is not enough. And so it's not about that, you know, your man can't please you or... But it's that a vibrator is meant to enhance the experience, right? Not, not replace it, but enhance it. So first introducing it is making sure that everybody understands what's in the way. You know what I mean? What conversation is blocking them? So give me a, a, a owner's manual. Yes. Uh, I, I'm the husband, and I want us to have some sex toys. Yes. Or, or I'm the wife, and you know, I'm, I'm not coming to orgasm, right. clitorally, yeah. as we know. Many, many women cannot orgasm that way. So how does she tell her mate that she would like to bring that into the mix? Well the, biggest, well, the biggest thing I would say is that you want to approach it with confidence. It's almost like you know how when you walk towards an animal, if you act skittish, the animal acts skittish back. So I think that when we are awkward with our partner, when we just say it jokingly or in a passive-aggressive way, then it often doesn't land well. So I think, you know, with, with a long-term partner, being able to have a conversation about how it can pleasure both of us and that we can shop together and that that could be really sexy and fun for us to do it together and explore all the different kinds of toys. If it's a hookup or a one-night stand, then I say you open up the drawer and you whip it out because, you know, there's no... The awkwardness of it makes it weird for people. So that's the first thing. For both, by the way. Do you know what I mean? For him and for her. So I think if it's a long-term relationship, getting to make it a we thing, even the we toys, I don't mean the brand we, but I mean like the toys that are pleasurable together can make it fun for both. 
Let's stop for a moment and just talk about the kinds of sex toys that are available and what they're in, intended to do. Give us yeah. just kind of an overview. Oh, my goodness, are we in a beautiful time of sex toys now that we have Wi-Fi. <laughs> so there's, first of all, there's something very sexy about having um, no plugs and <laughs> having a remote control. So there are actually toys that mimic human beings, which is interesting, but there's also the idea of the secret toy, for instance, you know, some, like I said, I mentioned Wi-Fi. So there are toys where she can insert the vibrator, they can go out for dinner, and he can maintain the control over the, I call it a chingaderis, but the remote, do you know what I mean, so to speak. I prefer the basic old school, do you know, like the rabbit, which is very old school because it's both vaginal and clitoral. And so it's like kind of a bang for your buck, so to speak. <laughs> nope, get it? I said bang. That's funny. <laughs> <laughs> I saw what you did there. Yeah. Yeah, so there are so many different types. But this is really, I guess, the important part in my mind is that no, no one vagina is exactly alike. And how she wants the speed, how she wants the pressure, how he wants the speed, how he wants the pressure has to be something that they discuss together. So when you're introducing the toy or playing with them, I, I like to like the old school go to F Street or go to the sex shop so that you can pick them up and play with them and feel them rather than just seeing, uh, you know, shopping online because sometimes it's difficult. But really playing with the controls and, and showing each other what works for you because, you know, I mean, if you think about it, a clit is just a ball of a kajillion little nerves. And a direct hit of pure stimulation can send her like a cat on the ceiling. You know what I mean? So um, there has to be a lot of conversations about what's working. If people feel awkward about conversating about it, I would suggest that you put it in his hand and she puts her hand on top of yours and guides him so that he gets a sense of it or the other way around so that you can kind of get a sense of what feels good for your partner without having to say, lighter, harder, lighter, harder. You, you know what I mean? Because that could be awkward too. And men can feel emasculated, as you mentioned a while ago. It's, you know, we as men want to think that we can pleasure the whole universe of women out yes, there yes. because we're just that powerful. <laughs> but the anatomy doesn't really work that way. It, it's not a question of whether you're good in bed or bad in bed. It's a question of everybody's physicality and, and physiology and all the things that, that go with it. So it, I, I guess what we're saying is sex toys should not be considered kink or unusual unless you want to go in that direction and you know have some extreme uh, toys to play with. But as not just an aid, because I don't want to sound too clinical, but you can... Uh, you can uh, bring a lot of pleasure and new adventures into your sex life that may have been somewhat dormant or lacking in a lot of ways. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I also wanted to say that, you know, and this is where we were talking about, you know, making sure that your biases are in check and your myths, that you're aware of the myths, you know. Um, I know a lot of women or a lot of men are worried that she's going to become addicted to her vibrator. <laughs> and it's not that she'll be addicted. Now, can she get used to that type of stimulation or coming that way? Yes. So my suggestion is to mix it up. Sometimes you use it, sometimes you don't, or you change up toys. You know, the other thing is so that he feels involved. 
um, she doesn't go into just a, a vibrator coma where she forgets that he's there, you know, that he, she remembers to engage him and touch him and make eye contact with him. I also think it would, it's a really fun introduction to sit across the room and masturbate with them and watching each other so that you get the visual and you get the stimulation all at the same time. So there's so many different ways to make it sexy and non-threatening. We, we've heard from women who, who have been single for a long time when they had been in a relationship they were having orgasms with their partner then they became single for one reason or another and began using a toy of some sort then they fall into another relationship and find out that they can't be stimulated again by male insertion only because they've gotten so used to uh, the, the vibrator yeah. that's that's what their body is telling them, that uh -huh. this is the way you orgasm. Yes. Uh, how do you get past that, or, or can you? Yeah, so first we want to make sure that he's not concerned that she's used those vibrators with somebody else, because whether he has the courage to say it or not, he's wondering who bought it for her and where it came from. So, you know, not making the vibrator a scary thing. And her introducing it right away, like this is, this is what I enjoy, and again, being able to change it up so that she's learning to have pleasure not just from the vibe sense, but from the intimacy and the connection. It is also one of the myths that just single women enjoy their vibrators. And the reality is, is that most everybody enjoys a vibrator if they know how to use it correctly. Or they can just relax and in, really enjoy it. Sometimes people feel very awkward about that. So I would say introduce it right out of the gate you know, so that he knows, one, what she's finds joy and pleasure from. You know, we kind of train people how to treat us. So we train people how to make love to us. And so if we're not really open or communicative, and then later we're going to get mad at them for not being able to fulfill us, it seems like a very unfair disadvantage that you're putting your partner at. You have seen over your career hundreds of couples, and I'm sure many have said that you know the, the, the sex has become boring, very monotonous, and we need to um, add a spark into it. <clears throat> how, many, how often have you uh, suggested toys as one way in which to get that spark yeah. to return? Yeah, very often, very often. Because often the problem is not that they don't want to, it's that they feel awkward. It is an awkward conversation to have. And nobody wants to be the first to bring it up. And so if, you know, if it's put on the professional, then it feels less threatening. If I say, hey, you guys, for your homework assignment this week, I want you to go online or walk into your local toy shop, and I want you to explore one toy that you'd be willing to use. Then all of a sudden, it's, it's on me. It's not so much on them. But um, either way, I know that it's an awkward conversation. And yes, thousands of couples, you know, talk about it or hint about it or and not really know how to bring it up. Now I can say the awkward part about it is if it's something that one of them is not interested in doing. You know, I think last week I had someone bring up anal beads and you know something like that can be very awkward if you are taken by surprise that you don't know that your partner likes anal play and all of a sudden he wants anal beads. So it can be you know, and again, that's that's on both parties because that means they're not talking about what he enjoys or what she enjoys enough that it would shock somebody. You know, it must be difficult for you know people who have uh, 
had one set of morals they've carried through their entire lives, and all of a sudden they find themselves in a situation where they're talking about this. The, the transition must be terribly difficult for them. Oh, it's very difficult. And you're right, if they had certain values or they were brought up a certain way where this wasn't something that was acceptable or it was frowned upon, then there could be a lot of shame around it and a lot of embarrassment around it, you know? And I think that's why it's difficult for people to bring up. It's also a hidden thing, you know? People put it in their nightstand or their top drawer and, you know, joke that their kids, you know, do not enter this drawer unless you want or need therapy after you open up this drawer kind of thing, you know? So, yeah, values, and again, it's on the couples, though, because if they're not talking about how they feel about these things, or even what's changing, because by the way, people change and evolve, you know, a, a woman going through perhaps menopause and having a hard time orgasming where she didn't used to, and now suddenly she is, or he's having a hard time with his erection, and he didn't used to, but now he is, and there needs to be more foreplay, it's it's a hard conversation to just randomly introduce, so there needs to be conversations about the health of your sex life all along. We do it with money, we do it with our kids, we do it with the repair of our home, we do it with our physical fitness, and we should do it with our sex life too. Of those that you've counseled and have suggested um, introducing sex toys into their relationship, how old was the oldest couple? How young was the youngest couple? Yeah, that's very good. Well, so young is, is a hard one, right? Because Kids know so much more than at least I knew. You know, for us, we, it was a VHS, and we had to learn. You know, I, I think the handyman came with the tools in his, you know, <laughs> you know, the doorbell. Anyway, so uh, older couples, though, for sure, um, because that very reason. As a woman gets older, you know, the clitoral hood, that's the skin that goes over the clitoris, becomes thick and hard, and so simulation is more difficult. And it's a lot of pressure on him, you know, as our bodies change. So oftentimes a vibrator can take away a lot of the work that's needed to go into this, you know, build up. Um, but either way, there has to be a build up, right? We can't, we don't just plug and go, so to speak. There has to be, that's funny, I mean, that's another fun. Anyway, so <laughs> there has to be some kind of a build up. So if my older couples are not using them, I absolutely suggest them. And, and you'd be shocked at how much fun they have shopping for them, especially when they're not children in the house and they can, you know, you just want to make sure and put it away before the housekeeper comes because that's just an awkward conversation. So what do you hear from your clients that you've suggested uh, introducing sex toys after they've tried it? What, yeah. is, can you kind of quantify the success rate? Yeah, so it, it's very high, especially if they've been very honest about how they feel. You know, I think that that withhold where I told her yes, but I really now feel like, you know, emasculated or, or like I'm not enough for her, that withhold can cause a lot of injury to the relationship. So we want to make sure that there's no withhold so that we are both on the same page about trying this and what works and what doesn't work. I would also suggest something not threatening like a bullet. A little non-threatening. It doesn't have to be a big cock with veins and, you know, all the big balls attached to it. We just want something very pretty and pleasant and non-threatening, I think, um, is probably the easiest for couples to manage so it doesn't feel like he's being replaced in some way. 
So speaking as a, a, a psychologist who has been doing this for 30 plus years, obviously you've, you've encountered uh, clients who have very strict mores yes. against this sort of thing. Yet they're somewhat willing to try it. You have to get them over the hump, that, that moral barrier. Yeah. What do you tell those individuals? How do you instruct them to get through that wall? Yeah, so this is where the coaching piece comes in because it's kind of like, you know, you have a conversation and you get it intellectually, but emotionally when you're in the experience, it can trigger different things or bring up different things for people. So even though intellectually you know you're not being threatened emotionally, it still feels detaching. So first of all, I, I teach the couples how to really connect with one another. So it's so much more about that connection and experiencing pleasure together than it is about my orgasm or your orgasm. You know, like, well, I wanted to give her an orgasm. No, this, this needs to be a mutual experience and that we manage our expectations. What are we looking to gain from this? Well, I'm looking to see my partner have extreme pleasure. Well, that's perfect because I'm looking to receive extreme pleasure. So, you know what I mean? It's, it's, we're on the same page, so let's try this. And that we set up an environment that fits for both of us. It's not like, you know, I'm getting ready for work and all of a sudden you whip it out. <laughs> like, you know, we've had dinner and you've bought me appetizers before you pull this thing out and there's some kind of a warm-up there and the house is we're empty or we're, you know, in a hotel room, which is also very fun. That's a whole different, you know, genre of sex toys and I call it hotel room sex. Um, but, uh, you know, that, that we are managing our expectations and both getting what we're set out to get in this experience. And what you're describing are, are, are the things you do physically as, as part of the experience. But again, those mores that they carry with them are, are in their minds, in their heads. Yeah. They carry that with them for, in some cases, decades and decades. Yeah. So how do they get past that moral barrier? Yes. So it has to be their, their choice, first of all, because when we make a declaration, then we're kind of in, like, you know, balls to the wall sort of thing. But if somebody is kind of on the fence emotionally, then it means that they can have a negative experience from it. So like if, if I were going to make a declaration about running a marathon, thinking it in my head is one thing, but telling five of my friends I'm running a marathon means that I'm emotionally investing in this, this experience. Do you know what I mean? I'm taking a stand. I'm making a declaration. So I would make sure that both parties were ready to make a declaration. These are my values, but I recognize this doesn't obstruct anything. It doesn't mean anything bad about me. It doesn't mean anything bad about you. I'm in. Let's try it. That's different than, oh, if my mom saw me today, boy, I'd go to hell. You know, that, you know, you know? so I want to make sure that both parties are really invested in it. And if they're not, to find out why not? Like, is it, is it that they are afraid? Is it a religious thing? Is it a moral thing? Is it a political thing? What is going on? And then have conversations about that to see if we can't get past that, if we can't coach them past that. And oftentimes we can, because it's something like, I don't know, it's just the Jewish guilt, I guess, <laughs> you know, at least, you know, when you grow up Jewish, um, that they can talk about those difficulties or those struggles and then what it means for them emotionally you know means that I get to get closer to you 
and that's it's been a while we've disconnected and this this is important to me emotionally that we connect like that i'm sure you've had situations in couples in which one of them has brought up the idea of bringing sex toys in and the other was absolutely against it and the person who whose idea it was is embarrassed and feels shamed and now they've got that between them i mean they were having trouble sexually obviously otherwise one wouldn't have brought up the idea of a sex toy and now all of a sudden they've got this thing between them i don't even know how you would describe it but now shame is put put into it and it brings a whole new fabric to their relationship so what yes. do you tell them then yes and and that is why people bring things up in a very sketchy tentative way it's like you know jokingly talking about wanting to have a threesome you know and he'll bring it up like ah, ah, you know like it's you know yeah if your girlfriends want to stay and he'll say oh, i was joking or you know because people are so worried about feeling shame or disappointing their partner so the educational piece of that is important you know oftentimes there's shame because it's associated with their sense of self that means what does that mean about me as a partner if you're hungry for more or you're craving more and so we need to have those conversations about what that means about me and perhaps in some situations it is because your partner isn't doing it right and then if that's the case then my question is well then why are you fucking him <laughs> you know what I mean like I mean like if, if you're not satisfied if they're not open if you're then then what are you guys doing? Is there more going on in the relationship? Is the communication lacking in other areas as well? Because nine times out of ten, it's lacking in other places as well. It's a big step for a couple to seek out a, a counselor. Mm -hmm. uh, but I guess that indicates that they're serious about fixing things or, or changing things. Um, but again, there are all of these societal barriers mm -hmm. Fewer than there used to be. I mean, now sex toys have become fairly prolific. Inventors have become very inventive in the kinds of things they're creating. And you have to deal with people from all different sorts of backgrounds, socioeconomic groups, and, and so forth. Is, is, is there a median, median strain there somewhere that works for everybody? That's a, that's a great question. And, you know, as you were talking, I was thinking, wow, you know, what's interesting about this is that, yes, it, it is across cultures and SES, and it has become so much more mainstream, which is quite wonderful and lovely that we can talk about these things. Um, but I do also recognize that when it comes to counseling, people still associate counseling with something being wrong, which is, you know what I mean? Like we're going because something's broken. The idea that now we have coaches and that we have courses and that we have, you know, like Life Sauce, we have so many fun courses that people can take, which means that it's not, there's nothing wrong at all that we just can be better. And this generation, this, where we are now, are that people seem to be committed to more and better, which is wonderful, not just sufficient. So I'm pleased that things have evolved and that's across cultural barriers that's cross SES, that people are committed to really enjoying their life and, you know, filling their bucket list, so to speak. I mean, we didn't really even have, I don't think, bucket lists when we were young, <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, and now people do. And so if, if this is something that intimidates you, then finding the right source 
whether it's one of our courses or a coach where it's not threatening, nothing is broken. But if something is wrong, if something feels like it's wrong or you need help, then yes, counseling. Again, because there is more for people, right? What have you heard from clients who have tried it, taken your suggestion, but for some reason it, it just didn't work out? And I'm sure the reasons yes. are, are, are varied. Give us some insight into that directly from uh, people you have counseled. Yes, another great question. It's because if we can slow things down, we can see exactly where the glitch is. So if you were going to teach me how to bat, hit, I'm not very good at baseball, but if I were going to hit a ball, you would see that I closed my eyes or you'd see that my elbows weren't up. You could see exactly why I'm missing. I swing too soon or swing too late. So when I'm coaching clients and there's a glitch like that when it's not working, we slow it down so much that we can see where the glitch happens. So we were doing fine until something happened and then. And so the work is that we are all on the same page about what you guys want to accomplish. And as a coach, as somebody who's there with them, I am regularly knowing what's working, what's not working and navigating that so that we do accomplish what they want. Because most people have to try things many, many, many times before being good at it. In our careers, with our, even our parents, we have fucked up parenting moments all the time. You know, like, oh, that wasn't my best moment. You know, and, and sex is no different. Although people do the, I tried it once, it didn't work. You know, and it's like, ah, oh, no, 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 no. We're gonna find out why it didn't work and what needs to be done. Sex toys aren't right for everybody, right. correct? Right. So tell us about, who, who is it not right for? I think for people that um, it does not fit with their faith or with their heart or with their body or it in some way, even though they're educated, even though they understand their own body, it is just not something that they feel comfortable with then if that's the case, then it's absolutely not necessary. However, if it's something, again, if it's that block, and it's something that we can explore, you know, I mean, we're living much longer than we used to, you know? If you imagine that people used to, women used to die by 30 or, you know, um, that's not a very long orgasm range. <laughs> you know, now we're living so long. So I say that you go for it, that you try it, that you have a plethora of toys um, because it fits our moods and, you know, fits our different, uh, I, I call it our alter egos, you know, like if you have that alter ego, which I hope that everybody does, their sexual alter ego, minus Tiffany, by the way. I mean, and if you don't, because it's easier for Tiffany to go try something than sometimes it would be for Christy, maybe. And so, like I said, if I am going the long way around, but if it's not something that fits for you in your heart or in your faith, that's okay. But if it fits for your partner and they want to use it, then you support them. Then you enjoy watching them have pleasure and you support them through it. That's got to be difficult for a lot of people. Um, it, what would you suggest? I, I would guess the, the, the surprise element doesn't work out very well. Honey, look what I bought you. You're right. Um, so is it better for them to have the talk first or then maybe go shopping together? And it doesn't mean going into a store necessarily where they may feel more vulnerable. Yes. I mean, Amazon has an entire yes. 
adult sections. So there are ways to do that, uh, you know, very secretively. Yes. Yeah, I would not, certainly for Mother's Day, <laughs> wrap, wrap up, uh, you know, uh, any cleaning tools and, and no sex toys, <laughs> you know, because that there's a whole other issue there. Yes, I wouldn't, unless it's something that you guys have talked about and I want to be surprised and I don't know, surprise me because I like that. That's one thing. But other than that, it's something that we should be shopping for together. And talking about what we're looking for. I'm looking for this kind of stimulation or that kind of stimulation. So when we go shopping, you're not showing me toys that are intimidating the shit out of me thinking, I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that. You know, because then people feel pressured to be like, I'm adventurous. I don't mind nipple clamps. <laughs> you know what I mean? When it has nothing to do with the pleasure that they're seeking. So we really need to have an open dialogue about what we're looking for. For those who are timid about getting into it but want to try it what what's a good introductory toy to uh to try first i say the bullet it's the little non-threatening you can buy it in fun colors there's even ones that glow in the dark which is fabulous although awkward when you're you know anyway a whole different thing but a little bullet i think is just um a great introduction and this is going to sound really silly but if you're really intimidated I would say you put your phone on vibrate and have them call you 22 times, really, really back to back and just see what it feels like, do you know, because you'll be shocked at the pleasure it can bring and um, even the vulnerability that it creates, you know, that you're kind of letting go and letting your body experience that much pleasure. And that would be for the woman, obviously. Yes. Yep. What about something for the guys? Oh, for him too. A cock ring something like that. Again, something that's not threatening the bullet for him too, by the way, under his balls or anally. I don't mean you have to go insert anything right away if he doesn't want it, but just the stimulation can be very, very sexy. So um, I think a, a cock ring for him would be wonderful, right? And it, it isn't always vibrators and, and mechanical and electronic things. Right. I, I would I would guess that things like lubes and that sort of stuff falls under the same category, does it not? Oh gosh, yes. And lube, lube, lube. I you know, people feel weird about it because oh if I use lube then he thinks I'm not excited. No, no. Sex is so much better with lots of lube. And it, it doesn't matter how old you are, it doesn't matter if you lubricate naturally. Either way, it can become painful for a woman, and a woman needs that, especially if it's clitoral uh, stimulation because it's so sensitive. So lubrication, if you haven't even started with that, let's definitely start with a good lube. Uh, before we conclude, let, let's talk a moment about um, toys for individuals, those who are not in relationships yeah. and are on their own. They want to experience some sort of sexual pleasure and the hand or the finger isn't just yeah. doing it for them anymore. What kind of things are, are out there for both men and women yeah. that they might enjoy? Yeah, so there is a toy for men, and I call her Gigi. <laughs> and it is like, you know those water toys when you're a kid that if you hold it, it falls, it squeezes, and it's about this big, and, and it's, again, non-threatening. You can buy them in all different colors. You put lube on the inside and you slide it on, and it makes masturbation so much easier right? Because it's tight and it rolls very quickly and very easily. And she can use it with you too, because if she's giving you oral, all that's sticking out is 
about this much of your head and it makes it so that she's not having to, you know, consume all of you and all of that stuff. So if, when she tells you that her jaw hurts, she'd do it, but she can't because her jaw hurts. You know, this toy is wonderful for men. Um, and there's lots of different names. I call her Gigi, but you know, you can, you can look online for that toy in particular. And for her, I think just like I said, just a bullet, something that's very non-threatening that has at least four or five settings, because even though it might feel nice in her hands, she doesn't know what it feels like when she's touching herself with it. And she's going to have to play with it to see if she wants, you know, some, sometimes there's a pulsating, sometimes there's a, you know, a harder vibe. And so she has to kind of decide what her body is looking for. I, I hear that some women like to have butt plugs that they wear all day long. Yeah. Is that, is that healthy? Is that good? <laughs> well, you, it needs to be clean. I don't know about butt plugs. That's, that can be, you know, you have to watch for infection and things like that and all day long. Benoit balls are things that um, strengthen the vaginal floor, you know, uh, and can be very sexy. If you try to go to a party with a Benoit ball, make sure you don't laugh too hard because you'll lose the ball, <laughs> which is really a whole other <laughs> awkward conversation if the balls are dropping out of you. But it does strengthen the muscles, and so and it can be sexy. So um, the butt plug all day long, I think anything all day long would be excessive and uncomfortable. Um, and we can explore why, what what's going on there, you know, that you'd need that or want that. But... Um, I do understand the idea of, you know, trying to get stimulation and building up through the day so that there's some sexiness to the evening. So in, in conclusion, we shouldn't think about these things as dirty, taboo, awful, against our beliefs. I mean, they are just devices that enhance our pleasure, and there's nothing wrong with pleasure. So... In conclusion, Dr. Wise, what's your closing message? vibe away. Enjoy it. Life is too short. If you have questions or you want more information, make sure you go to our website. That's lifesauce.com. That's life-sauce.com. And don't forget to follow us on social media. I'm Dr. Christy Wise. Thank you for joining us.